Welcome to the My Personal Football Coach Youth Soccer Player Development Podcast, episode 30 with John Hunter Barrett. Welcome to MyPersonalFootballCoach.com's Soccer Player Development Podcast. Discover all the secrets, hints and tips about soccer player development and soccer coaching from some of the leading figures in world soccer. Here's your host, Saul Isaacson-Hurst. Hi guys, welcome back to another show. Uh, before we uh, announce our guest, I just want to make a big announcement. Um, really privileged and proud to say that uh, my personal football coach is now supporting the LA Galaxy Academy uh, with their official homework program to support their academy boys uh, with their ball mastery and technical development. So really proud to, to be working with LA Galaxy, a massive club, huge club out there in America. And so really privileged that they've chosen the My Personal Football Coach as the app to support player development. So obviously they joined Wolves as another one of our pro club partners and obviously uh, local uh, grassroots clubs, amateur youth clubs around the world um, with the My Personal Football Coach club partnership. So fantastic, really proud. Uh, if you're interested in how we can support your club, uh, whatever the player's abilities, um, just drop me a line, uh, drop me an email or drop me a message on social media and we can uh, talk about how my personal football coach club partnership can support your club and add value to your club. Uh, now we're uh, getting into the show, really proud to have uh, John Hunter Barrett on the show. Uh, John's the uh, head of coaching for the 8s to 12s at Wolverhampton Wanderers. Uh, first came across John uh, a couple of years ago on the FA Advance uh, Youth Award. Uh, immediately struck me he's a very intelligent eloquent guy uh, has a really uh, great knowledge about the game and coaching and so uh, he's a really really good guest uh, he's got lots of knowledge and uh, and information to share so if you're interested in youth player development particularly at the younger age groups you're really going to enjoy this episode uh, a really interesting chat uh, definitely one of my favorites Remember, the uh, My Personal Football Coach app has uh, the 5 to 7s program, the 8s to 11s program, 12 to 16, 17 plus. So we've got something for everybody. Uh, all players and all abilities will improve uh, using this ball mastery program. And don't forget that uh, there's a seven day money back guarantee. So we're that confident that you're going to like it. You can download it and try it for free. And if you don't like it, we'll give you your money back. So really proud uh, how the app's developing, working with clubs, working with individuals, uh, young players all around the world, older players um, of all ages and abilities. So uh, really excited how that's coming on and uh, lots of new stuff to come in the future. So uh, without further ado, let's get into the show. So John Hunter Barrett, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Can you just give us a little bit of a, a brief background just of your playing and coaching journey up to this point, please? Just very briefly and then we can go into that. Yeah, so no, I had a... Uh... A different sort of route uh, into into academy culture into to the position I'm in now. Um, I wasn't fortunate to be a professional footballer um, because I had the realization quite early, quite early on at sort of 15 years old, really, that I weren't going to be at the standard to be a professional footballer. So I had to identify what the closest route to being in that sort of environment was going to be. Um, so I started as an apprentice at, at Walsall Football Club with a guy called Adam Davy um, in the community department. Um, so sort I of worked through through the ranks ranks there um, and started to do some work in the at the time the Centre of Excellence with Mick Housel, um, and then sort of venturing on to to undertake coaching qualifications etc etc um, into into the Wolves environment that I'm in now. Okay, so then just tell us about your um, just tell us about your time at Wolves and obviously uh, what what was what was your first role at Wolves and obviously tell us what you're doing now. Yeah, so my first role at Wolves was was a development centre coach. Um, so I came into Wolves doing one hour a week, sort of looking after an, an off-site development centre. So working with, with, with the foundation phase players, uh, 7 to, to 11, um, off-site. Um, and then now my role is head of coaching and development for the foundation phase. So it sort of evolved really from the foundation lead, taking on a lot of coach development. Okay, so um, obviously we've had... Um, um, coaching uh, heads of coaching on before we've never had a head of coaching on uh, or the foundation phase just tell us a little bit about that role I mean what's the difference between that and what you did previously as a head of uh, foundation as a foundation phase lead yeah it's a twofold it's a twofold position so the first side of the position really is, is coach development 
So just looking at how our coaches are developing alongside our playing and club philosophy. Um, and then the other side of, of, of the role is is operational. So I'm fortunate as well to, to see um, and sort of coordinate a lot of the stuff that happens off um, outside of the pitch um, as well as as well as what we're doing on it. So align our, aligning our playing philosophy, um, making sure that the players uh, are aware of their, their training programme, um, aligning myself with, with the recruitment department, uh, the sports science uh, and analysis. So what 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 what, you, what what's the what is the main difference between what you're doing now and what you did previously as a just a foundation phase lead? You think? So as a foundation phase lead, you wouldn't worry too much about the coach development um, of the coaches within it because that will fall under somebody else's um, somebody else's umbrella. So that um, that would be normally the head of coaching would deal with everybody within the club, right? So you just exactly okay. yeah yeah the head of coaching would deal with everybody everybody within the club. What we do at Wolves is we. We dice up ours into phases. So you got Mark Campbell with the thirteen to sixteens, um, and then myself with, with the with, with the with the seven to twelves. Okay, and then tell us a little bit about then what the uh, the rest of the foundation phase lead looks like then in terms of then who's what what's the um the staffing like in there? Yeah, so we're quite fortunate again. We've got Tom Major who heads up our pre academy department, so he takes care of um the recruitment alongside the, the, the coaching program for the for the pre academy. We've got Mark McLaren who takes care of the coaching for our, our nines and tens um, in terms of a full time member of staff. Um, we've got Dan Watson who takes care of our elevens and twelves uh, program, um, and then both of those coaches, all three of those those guys, really will, will feed into myself um, and just sort of coordinate the, the the program and the delivery. So how does that work then? In terms, I mean, now most clubs uh, are now going into this. Uh, going down that route where they have a, a lead of um, nines and tens and elevens and twelves, sort of like one person leading two age groups. Uh, how does that work in practice, and what made you go down that route? Well, we just try to look at how is the best way to make sure that we provide quality provision um, across the board, um, alongside having um, somebody accountable. Uh, so traditionally, um, it was it was it was one person. It was a foundation lead who was the full time the full time staff about five or six years ago. As a full time full-time member of staff um, and then working with part-time coaches really to to manage the age groups but what we looked at was how much we were actually having the boys in in the program um, and then having somebody who's accountable for, for those age groups because um, the training now is as you're aware uh, from your time at sort of Tottenham and, and, and Chelsea um, has grown over the last two or three years um, so that, that's something that we looked at was to, was to make sure that we have um, like I said, somebody accountable um, and just sort of a clear process of um, and way of working. So how does that, how do those guys work then? For instance, if you know, I know Dan and Mark, two top coaches. How does how does that work? How do they split their time between two age groups and games and stuff like that? Yeah. So what we'll do is we just do it um, based on a half season half season um, way of working. So for example, Dan will will start the season with, with the under twelves, um, especially as they're they're beginning their journey of 11 v 11 football. Uh, they're transitioning from, um, like we said, 9 v 9 to 11 v 11, transitioning from primary school to secondary school. Uh, so Dan will start the season with, with that age group and he will end the season with, with the under 11s as, as the group that he will be working with uh, next season. Um, and then Mark McLaren is, is slightly different um, because what we look at is the under 9s is a really, really important year. Um, as you're aware, the first year in academy football, um, so what we look at is by assigning a, a full-time coach uh, for the first half of the season that way, just ensures that they get into to, to the right um, behaviours and, and habits um, as they begin their journey in academy football. And then the second half of the season, he'll 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 flip and, and rotate into to the under tens. And we're quite lucky because we've got really really good part-time coaches um, that are flexible to work with with any age group in the foundation phase. Okay, so then you mentioned the training time, the increasing training time. Just tell us a little bit about that. Uh, how how much your boys are in in the foundation phase? Yeah, so our, our pre academy boys, um, it's nothing too dissimilar to, to what other clubs are doing in terms of two or three times a week, um, sort of including including a game and um, wherever that would be, really in in the country or the Midlands. Um, and then once again to to the under nines and tens age group, um, we have them roughly in about seven and a half hours a week. Um, so they do a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, uh, Saturday, um, and Sunday. So that's that's uh, that, that's the nines and tens. That's the nines and tens. So they do, um, they do Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday evening. Yeah. And then Saturday morning. Yeah. Wow. Um, 
and then our under 11s and under 12s um, that's when they begin day release. So it's actually this week that our under 11s will be starting um, day release. So they'll be coming out for a full day with us in the academy. Um, and those days are quite interesting uh, because, again, it's not just about what they're doing on the pitch. It's also important about what they're doing off the pitch as well. So we're building education. Um, cause that's something that we, we, we work um, quite closely uh, with at Wolves Academy. Um, there's time for analysis. There's time for strength and conditioning. Uh, there's time for, for technical and tactical, of course. That's what they're coming out for. Um, and, and like a, a variety of different things. Interesting. So uh, just um, just looking a bit more at the overall, I mean, look, Wolves has recently become, you know, one of the, well, probably the dominant force in academy football in the Midlands. I mean, what what do you put that down to? For me, for me, there's three big things um, that I think that we do really well um, at our football club. The first one is is we have the right people. So we have a lot of good people um, that have the correct intentions to develop people, um, and that's and that's what we're here for. Um, second thing is we have a challenging environment. So we always have people in the building um, that are challenging why we make certain decisions, whether that's players, whether that's parents, um, or whether that's staff that we, that we bring in. Um, and again, because we work across the departments in a multidisciplinary um, approach, that enables us to, to create that challenging environment um, environment where it's not necessarily the coach's king, because also what the analyst will see is looking for it. He's looking for it um, with a different lens. Um, and then the third thing that we that we really believe in is evolving all the time. Um, so again, moving with the times. So what separates us from other academies, what separates us um, from from other from other football clubs, is is something that we always try to to, to constantly assess. Uh, and what, what's what's the ultimate ambition for the academy in the in the short term and the long term future? Well, like I said, the f- the first one is make sure we're developing good people, um, because not everybody's going to be a professional footballer. Uh, so it's important that you know we we develop the person when they're coming through the door uh, to to when they leave, and then the ultimate aim is is to continue to produce players for for the first team that that are good enough to play in the Premier League. But I mean, how how do you see? I mean, we had this conversation the other day. I mean, how do you see yourself sitting within the within the within the academy uh, landscape nationally, if you like? I mean, let's go, obviously look. You've you've got an amazing facility. You've got one of the best facilities in the country. Uh, now you're a Premier League team. Uh, you've got ambitious owners. Um, I mean, what what what's what is you know what's the idea? I mean, where 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 do you think you can take the academy? Yeah, no, we, we we're striving to to be the best. Um, we're striving to be the best. I mean, E Triple P um, a couple of years ago um, actually ranked us in the top three in terms of what we're, in terms of what we're actually doing um, here at Wolves. Um, but we actually have ambitions to to be the best. So again, through through our challenging environment, um, we're always trying to to be the best, trying to recruit the best, whether that's players, whether that's staff. Um, to, to, to keep challenging, you know, the likes of Chelsea, the likes of Tottenham, the likes of Man City, um, to, to be the best academy in the country. Interesting. I, I mean, yeah, cause I know we, we had this conversation the other day and it's, it's interesting because where you sit within the, you know, geographically, um, do you see that as an opportunity? I mean, you have, you know, if you're talking about academies that are dominating the academy system, if you like, through, you know, uh, maybe investment, you have maybe Man City in the north, Produce, you know, throwing a lot of money at it. Chelsea in the south, and could you be that the club in the Midlands? That's what we're striving to be. Um, that's what we're striving to be. Um, is, is look ge- geographically where we are, uh, smack bang in the middle of the country, enables us to you know to recruit um, wider, um, wider than you know maybe a Chelsea would if they if you if you're based down south or maybe a Man City if you're based um, up north. You know, with us being in the Midlands, enables us to to recruit from both. Um, so again, we, we're challenging to to be the best. Do you think um, has your has your your recruitment tr- strategy changed? I mean, recently due to that. I mean, obviously, I know I worked with uh, Joseph Joseph in the summer. You know, in conjunction with you guys, a player you recruited from South End. Are you, yep. are, you are you trying to you know op- you know get uh, players in from further afield? Yeah, no, of course. I think that um, we're quite fortunate again. Um, I think I might mention earlier on in the conversation to have. A schools program um, that we that we basically work with, um, which is you know again really really important to us. It's important for for a number of reasons. Like I said, developing the person um, and, and and the people, but also um, enables us to to recruit a little bit better uh, because we're able to um, provide education 
for, for, for players that are, you know, coming into it to our football club. So in terms of your question, has it has it changed or say it's evolved? Um, we're, we're just trying to look long term. What's best for, for Wolves Academy long term to, to be the best um, and to, to get the best players through the door? So tell us a little bit about your school's programme then. Yeah, so again, through, uh, through each of we'll be introducing the full-time programme. Uh, we just had to have a look at how best is it going to work for, for Wolves Academy. Um, never mind what, what anybody else is doing in that sense. Um, and the best way for us to do was, was, was to, to establish um, some really good links with, with really good schools. So we're very fortunate to work with Thomas Telford. Um, and we're very fortunate also to work with... Um, you know the likes of the Royal School, or there's different, um, there's you know a variety of different partner schools that that we work with, um, but the two biggest ones really are, are Thomas Telford and, and and the Royal, um, and sort of with that it allows us to sort of create a flexible timetable for for the boys, um, where they're able to come in during the mornings and then go to school in the afternoons, um, but also catch up with with sessions that they're missing when when they are here at the academy. So what what age do they start there at the school? So we start our full time program from under twelves. Um, so literally their first year of secondary school so again with us aligning that also with, with Dan taking the team you know having a full-time coach sort of there um, enables us to sort of create like I said a flexible timetable that allows them to to make sure that they have opportunity to develop here but also have opportunity to 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 to, to catch up with their school work and make sure that they, they don't fall behind. So is, are all the under 12s in that school program then? Not every single under twelve, no, um, because it's you know it's an elite program. Um, again, from, you know, similar to the background that you've come from, um, it is selected players uh, that are on that program. Um, however, there are more boys that do actually go to that school as well. Interesting. And um, so then, so how many? So for instance, the twelves then. So just tell us about their week. What would their training week be like when they're at the school? Yeah, so the, the training week, um, again, it's like I mentioned to you before, it's flexible, it's, it's around the individual um, and making sure it fits and, and works for them. Um, but if I'm, if I'm looking at the, the general player, um, he'll train on a, on a Monday evening, um, he'll train on a Wednesday uh, all day for, for school release, um, he'll come in on a Thursday evening um, or he will do a Friday morning um, and then Again, we're flexible with, with the Saturdays because, again, what we what we try to do is make sure they have time at home or time with their families. Because one thing we we actually thought about um, and evaluated was when do these boys actually have opportunity to have um, a lion, have a you know get up a little bit later in the morning rather than getting up at uh, six or seven o'clock every day of the week. Um, so again, we're flexible with the Saturdays with, with the full time players, and then obviously Sundays are compulsory because it's game day. Interesting. Okay, and um, just I mean, look, the way you're measured is about the players you're producing. I mean, now you're getting, you know, you know, you're, you know, you got quite prolific now in uh, producing players for the, for the first team and also for the England youth teams, which is a lot yeah. of academies measured. But I mean, tell us about, for instance, Morgan White, Morgan Gibbs White, who came through the academy, won the under 17s World Cup. He played against United the other day. I mean, uh, tell us a bit about his development. Yeah, so so Morgan um, Morgan's had a an interesting journey. Um, he was, I think, on the second cohort of players really to come out on the full-time programme, um, but it was when we actually started it, so it was towards the end of his, his academy journey, so to speak. Um, the guys like Mark Campbell and, and Dan Watson who have been here for, for a very long time, seeing him seeing him walk through the door um, as, you know, as an under seven, under eight, um, and then sort of developing through the programme. Um, when he started to peak, really, was around 15, 15 years old. Um, and again, at 15, he was training with, with the 18s. Um, at 16, he was training with the 23s and then moved very quickly to, to the first team to make his debut. Um, so, so Morgan's had an, an interesting, uh, a very interesting, in, very interesting journey. Um, as a character, uh, very driven, very driven, very focused, knows exactly what he wants, what he wants to achieve. Um, so again, with the ambitions at the moment of the football club, um, is, is, in the, is in the right environment. And uh, so, just tell us a bit about then, generally the philosophy of the the club at the foundation phase. You know, what what's tell us a bit about that? Yeah. So at the moment, again, um, for us, for us being an evolving club, uh, what we're doing is we're we're actually challenging our philosophy. So um, we know it's working because players are being produced, but how can it be better? 
um, is a conversation that we're actually having um, at the moment. So our playing philosophy, we work we work from four phases. Um, phase one being initiate the attack. So how do we build up? Uh, what's it like when our goalkeeper has the ball or we have a throw in or a set piece? Um, linking into to phase two. Um, so that's how how do we finish the attack? Um, are we creative? Um, how do, how do we create chances? And phase three, so it's when the opposing keeper has the ball or or the opposition have the ball, and, and how do we how do we press? Do we press? Do we delay? Um, again, that's the decision we the players have to have to make. Um, Linking to phase four um, and how we defend the goal. So each week we'll spend a week on on a particular phase, and then we'll we'll move around because what we believe in is periodized learning for players. Um, so rather than doing the same thing for for six weeks. We believe in doing it in smaller smaller chunks. So spending a week on something and then moving on and then revisiting it again, um, you know, three to four weeks later is 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 a good way for for players to learn. And I mean, what about so, for instance, the under nines and the under twelves? I mean, how are those sessions different if they do or do they similar? I mean, what what what's the provision like for a nine year old compared to the twelve year old? Yeah. So again, um, at nines, again, it's it's. It's a heavy, heavy ball mastery focus. Um, so what are they like with the ball? So a lot of the practices um, are around the boys being on the ball. So I mentioned, for example, um, they come in on a, on a Tuesday. Um, we do a 4 to 5 session, and the 4 to 5 session is literally about the boy and the ball. Um, so how is he developing his repetition? How is he developing his technique, his confidence, his competence um, on the ball? Um as we link to, to sort of the main session, it starts to be, okay, what decisions now do I have to make? So are we doing 2v1s? Are we doing 2v2s? Are we doing 4v4s? Um, a heavy, heavy, small-sided game sort of focus um, with different conditions that will sit on a practice um, to, to get a specific outcome. Um, how does that differ to, to an under-12s? We start to introduce a little bit more now about, about team, start to introduce a little bit more um, about shape, a little bit more about understanding um as they as they're progressing into the youth development phase, and like I said, playing eleven v eleven football. Okay, interesting. And and then, then what about um, you mentioned there being creative? I mean, what's your thoughts on that? How do you how do you get players to be creative? Very interesting. Very interesting question. I think the first one is you've got to understand the player, understand the player, and understand understand their journey, um, and understand why they've been why they've been recruited to come into to the program. Um, once you've got a basis of that, I think it's a case of, uh, for, again, every club's different and, and every individual's different, um, but what works for them? So if you're allowing, allowing the boys to, to demonstrate some of the, the techniques and, and the technical competencies that, that, you've, that you've delivered uh, to them um, and allowing them to, to apply in, in, in the game model, it's just checking and challenging what decisions that they're actually making. Uh, if they're making the same decision consistently wrong, then you might need to step in um, and, and, and challenge them. So what did you see there? Why did you make that decision? Um, some players respond really well to that. Some players respond to, uh, I'm not too sure. Um, I'm not too sure why. Um, so again, you, you might have to, to go in and support them that way. But like I said, everybody's different um, and has a different way of, of, of developing creativity. And then tell us a little bit about like play. How what what, what part does play play in uh, in the in the academy there? Yeah, a big thing that we do is we do a small sided games night. So I mentioned the nines and tens will come in on a, on a Wednesday. Um, so part of that Wednesday session is the boys setting up their own pitch. Is the boys picking their own teams? Is the boys basically playing uh, for, for for the full hour, so to speak? So some boys might decide they want to do a one v one. Some boys might decide that they want to do uh, an 11 versus 10 some boys might decide they want to do a 4v4 um, but again we, we set that well the boys actually set that up for, for themselves on, on a Wednesday um, and, and just play uh, the coaches stand back and observe and again just try and check and challenge some of the decisions really that the players are making after the full hour is finished so they'll have the carte blanche to come in and do whatever they want basically that, that evening yeah yeah so we, we've 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 again we've we've looked at it um, to check it's actually working, um, and you know if you have the expectations sort of laid out from the beginning with, with with the parents and everybody else that that comes in, then it allows that sort of environment to actually work. If you're hoping 
to, to sort of set that environment up in your club and you don't have the conversation um, with, with the parents and also with the boys um, and also with the staff as well, then people have that, uh, that expectation that, you know, my son isn't being coached, um, but actually he's, he's, he's in that environment where he's coaching himself, he's coaching his teammates um, with the blending age groups as well. So we have our eights, nines and tens in on that, on that night. Um, it gives the opportunity for some of the maybe some of the older boys to develop their leadership skills, um, as well as you know developing technically because they they are playing. That's a big thing at the moment with the FA, isn't it? And about trying to get age uh, players playing together of different age groups. Yeah. How, how have the boys responded to that? Respond responded really well. Uh, I mean, it's something that we've been doing for a couple of years now. Uh, it's something also that. That um, that Mark McLaren is trying to push and Dan Watson as well in in their respective cells with with boys training across groups, um, to again to, to develop that that leadership to develop that social also to develop their success and failure, um, to some boys, um, because you have some boys that that are getting plenty of success sometimes in their own age group that might that maybe need um, a little bit of failure as well, um, to 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 develop a different outcome, but if it's planned. If it's planned, it works. I suppose that as well is that about selling selling to the parents is that why is my under eleven playing with the under nine or ten or something like that? Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Um, but again, if it's you know you have that conversation um, at the beginning, then um, then it allows those sort of things to, to actually happen. And then tell us a little bit about your thoughts on competitive football at the foundation phase. I mean, obviously we play we play in a friendly. Friendly league, if you like, when I'm in the league, we play friendlies every weekend. I mean, what do you think about that? Do you think that could be improved, or how do you combat? It? Or how do you? I mean, there are now more competitions. I mean, do you go on tours? How do you get the balance for the boys? Yeah, I think it comes down to your planning. Um, so, what's your planning like um, off season? So, when the boys aren't here, um, how do you plan? How do you plan their year? Um, so, the way that we try to look at it is just trying to find solutions um, to to make sure that the boys have opportunity. To, to to compete and play in competition, um, because if you have if you look at an, you know a nine or ten year old, um, they 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 do want to win, they do they are competitive, they are driven, um, which is why things like one v one practices actually work because you see the competition come out in them. Um, for us, um, what we try to do is just look at our whole year, uh, look at our whole year, um, and just plan plan in, um, and drop in tours and tournaments where we go abroad. Um, but also, we, we run our own tournaments um, here at the academy. So we run Wolves Cups here at the academy during every single half term, um, and then sort of in and around that across the year, uh, we try and get the boys away um, at least at least twice um, for some of the younger ones, and then some of the older boys in the phase will we'll get away mm-hmm. four to five times a year. Interesting. So, so in theory, how much, how many competitions are they playing every every season? How much competitive football? Because we also we have the FA ones as well. At, during January, don't we have some futsal? There's lots of different things going on. How many things? Because I'm just thinking because I spoke to the last episode, we had um, Niels Janssen on from Genk. He said maybe the you know the boys there would do over 20 tournaments a year. And obviously, you know, there's a big culture in Europe, continental Europe, where the, there's t- in Northern Europe, especially that you know teams travel every weekend to go and play another tournament. And I always thought that that was a big advantage they had over our boys at the younger age plans that that competition football, just that game management in a competition environment. So I mean, yeah. it's just, I think you know, how do we you know get challenge our boys to get get more environments? Well, I'm not suggesting we have you know a competitive league every week. I don't think that's right, but just having a balance and having a taste of both. Yeah, I think it work, It works. It works both ways. Um, for for us, we we try and get them at least fifteen, uh, 15, 15 to to twenty, including Premier League, including Wolves Cups, including international tours. Um, you know, per per season, different opportunities to 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 compete. Um, to compete and, and obviously try to try to win, um, and I think it's it's important um, about coach behaviour. So what's it like when you do get success, um, and also thinking about what it's like when when you don't maybe get the desired outcome that you want uh, from it. So it's it's what I'm getting at is it, it's it's okay having um, a competitive environment uh, for for the players and competitive games, but the behaviour really around it is is important to what what sort of shapes. Um, the way that they, the way that they win, or the way that they they lose. What what is your, um, you know, opinion about a winning mentality, that sort of thing? Sorry, say that again. What's your, what is your opinion to having a winning mentality that a lot of academies have? 
Well, I think it's it's important because it's it's what separates sometimes um, you know a good club or a good player to to a great player. So if I look at traditionally um, the makeup of of England youth squads um, and the dynamics of where the players are actually coming from, uh, they're coming from clubs where who who actually create that that type of environment, who give the players that that level of exposure. Um, so what what we what we're finding is by giving the players that level of exposure. Um, that level of competition, when, when eventually they do go into it, um, looking at the journey now, maybe a Morgan or the journey now, maybe some of the, some of the other players are, are about to break through into, into the youth team, um, they've had the exposure, they've had the exposure to, to be in competitive environments, but also um, the the exposure of, of being in you know competitive environments and games where um, the focus isn't necessarily just around solely winning the game, uh, winning the game of football. Um, and what you'll find is if, you create a situation and put them in in um, yeah you put them in situations where mm. it is maybe about um, you know winning and, and competition then they'll do that anyway um, when, when you're playing uh, maybe a non-competitive fixture without you actually having to tell them that. But I mean, uh, my, my question is, how do you approach, for instance, your 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 weekend fixtures, your games on Sundays, your the the friendlies, if you like, against the other teams? What's the approach there by the coaches? Is it you know? I mean, I know, how is it, you know, in terms of how do you deal with that in a friendly, the winning and losing in that friendly environment? Well, the, fo- the focus is always around, the focus is always around developing. The focus is, is always looking at um, what have we, what we've been working on, um, how do you apply in, in the game model, and then evaluating um, the, the execution and delivery, basically, of that in, in the game. Um, and, and you know consistently assessing it so if your team is for example maybe won a game but not done the things that 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 you know you had been working on with them throughout that week then that wouldn't be classed as a success if your team's won um, and, and done the things that that you've asked them to do um, then that's classed as a success so the answer to your question is on a, on a weekend when, when we are playing um, the non-competitive fixtures um, the focus is the focus is around development um, and then obviously, if if you can, you know, if you can win the game on, on top of it, then then obviously that's an added bonus. But that's not necessarily driven directly from from the coaches. Do you notice a different approach um, by different academies when you play them on Sundays in terms of that the noticeable different approach? Maybe some academies want to you know seem to be set up to win more, some more team based, some more individual based. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, I, I do, uh, I do. If I'm if I'm being honest, um, I think. The, the way that we try and look at it is what what's their desired outcome. So if their focus is around uh, is around winning that game, what is their what what is their desired outcome? So how, what what type of player are they are they looking to to produce? Um, are they looking to 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 produce players or uh, for the, for their first team or produce players for other people? Um, so I think it's just it's just looking at first of all what what are their 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 desired outcomes, and then that helps you to sort of understand how to pre- pro- sort of approach. Um, the game or all the fixture. I had this conversation the other day. I did a podcast and I talked about my time, for instance, when I was at Chelsea and we used to play Arsenal. And it was like a lot of people, you know, almost overcooked <clears throat> that game. If you like, there was too much emotion in it. And I, yeah. I might be trying. So, what's it like when you play your Midland rivals? You play your Villas and your Birmingham's and your, you know, um, your West Broms. I mean, is, what is it like then? Is, is there is there, is there like a change in approach? You just, what, you just speak to the boys differently. I mean, and then obviously, you know, we obviously both know working in academy football, there's pressures in terms of recruitment and, you know, being seen as being, you know, a better option than your rivals. Is that, is that come into account as well? I think we don't have to tell our players to, to behave or act any differently for, for those types of games um, because naturally they, they, they understand the importance of, of, a, of a, for a local academy game. Um, so, for example, if you are playing West Brom, the players understand the importance of, of maybe doing well in that game because more often than not, a lot of the players will go to school with 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 the boys um, from other academies, so they'll have their own little bits of you know rivalry going on. Um, but in terms of our direction and our behaviours, it doesn't it doesn't change uh, for for those games because every game we're expecting you know we have an expectation really of our players to. To do well, like I said, through through the focus and what we've been looking on, um, and how we review it, um, and then also um, the the way that they compete in the fixture. Well, I was more talking about maybe like with the parents and the players, it all comes a bit too over emotional. 
becomes a bit charged, and then maybe you know, then it becomes you know, it comes a it become it can become a little bit different in an, an environment. So I mean, you I mean, would you do you have any uh, thoughts on that? Yeah, I think sometimes um, you are going to have um, you know the the emotion really attached to a particular game, and um, but as a coach, really, it's just about managing the emotion. Um, and, and try, trying to, to manage it, I think we have um, we have a code of conduct, obviously for for, for the for the parents, um, regardless or respective of, of the game. Um, and sometimes it is difficult for people to to sort of adhere to to that code of conduct, especially if it is you know a local game because they they want their boys to do well. Um, so as a coach, really, it's just sort of managing it, managing the emotion and and almost taking taking away. The, the element of, you know, oh, it isn't a local derby, you know, we are playing Birmingham City or we are playing West Brom or, or Aston Villa um, and we're playing we're playing another game, um, another game, another fixture. What about yourself and you personally? I mean, has there ever been a time, you know, coaching here or abroad when you've you felt that a little bit more pressure and, you know, you've, you've really reflected on that thinking, wow, that was a bit of a different experience for me? Yeah, no, of course. I think that the tournaments are, are a great experience, not just for the players, but also for for for, for the coaches. Um, in terms of my, my personal experience of of that, um, you do have um, situations sometimes where you do feel um, a little bit more a little bit more pressure in a fixture, um, or in, in in a tournament, for for example, um, where you do have to keep checking. You ha- you do have to keep challenging. Um, was that the right? Um, was that the right type of behaviour in that situation? Did the players need that bit of information then? Did I give them that? Um, if I didn't, why didn't I do that? So it's constantly sort of reflecting. Um, was that right in that in that situation? And sometimes it wasn't um, because it's, it's development. It's development as you know for the players as, as well as well as it is for the staff. Yeah, I found that when I was in in working in Europe uh, on tours, as a really different environment, and I definitely developed. Met much uh, a lot as a coach, managing the team, managing the boys, managing myself in that competitive environment, playing against some of the you know the biggest teams in Europe. Is there any, any yeah. times you can reflect on that in your time abroad or, or in England? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, for me, it's it's you know how do you how do you manage a team when you're playing against Barcelona? So um, the first thing really is it's it's quite difficult because. Um, Especially for foundation for his players or even academy players in general, um, automatically they play they play in the badge um, rather than actually playing the boy that's wearing the shirt. Um, so sometimes it's how do you manage? Um, and these are the questions and challenges that we've had: is how do you manage the players in those situations to 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 actually try and try and compete? But also how do you manage yourself in your own behaviours um, when maybe they aren't doing. Um, some of the things that, that you want them to do. You know, we've all been there in the game um, <laughs> where, where sometimes it's not necessarily working to plan. Um, more often than not, what i found is um, good players will always find a, find a solution to, to the situation. Interesting. I mean, I, I remember once being at one tournament and I was under nine coach, I won't say which club, but uh, the uh, head of recruitment being sent to the stands by the referee in an under nine's tournament because he kept having a go at him. <laughs> I mean... Uh, yeah. I don't know if you've seen anything like that. I'm sure that, you know, we never uh, encourage any sort of that behaviour. Uh, okay, just tell us a bit then about um, what's, what was it like, the, the, the different sorts of playing styles? Did you see different sorts of playing styles or players with your, in your time in Europe? I mean, talk, t- particularly talking about the foundation phase here. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, I think that if you look at, if you look at an Ajax, who, you know, recently seen in a tournament um, in Holland, um, they, all their players have a, a really, really, really big game understanding so it was a 2007 sort of age group and looking at looking at those boys i can see they they spend a lot of time working uh, working around their game model so all the players understanding sort of what's expected from them and also what to expect from their teammates um so that that was a, a big difference and i think that probably came from um just being in 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 competitive situations where they have to manage the game more uh, more than just play the game um so i can see that there was there was there was really good care and, and consideration to, to all the decisions really that they were making um, in the game. But at the same time, um, I'm looking and I can still see creativity. I can still say, see uh, freedom within what the players are doing. So the movements weren't necessarily all robotic. Um, I, you stand there and I'll pass it to you. And when I receive it, I'm going to set you and spin. Um, there was still a lot of autonomy for the players in the game. 
Um, which which for me I thought was brilliant. Um, so you mentioned there. I mean, tell us a little bit about your your thoughts about you know uh, technical training, game based training, decision making. You know the debate we've had many times about you know the uh, how to the best utilize ice unopposed work and game based work and and what effect that has on decision making. Yeah, I think it's 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 you know we've we've had um, a lot of debates about this. I think I think it's, it's a combination of it's a combination of of, of everything. So sometimes um, in the foundation phase, especially especially in the pre academy and maybe the nines, they do need some isolated work. Uh, they need some isolated work to develop the 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 technique to develop the muscle memory on on what they do. And and also like I mentioned before, confidence and competence is really important. Um, however, doing three hours. Um, three hours, three times a week of it um, might not be, might not always be the, the right thing. So, so I personally believe in um, what you do. There has to be a decision um, within it. So, if you're doing isolated practice, um, however, you're still encouraging them to to make a decision because you're making them think, um, you're making them work maybe in pairs. Um, then, then, then that's fine. Um, and then what, like I said, what what we try to do um, here at the club is is blend the game based game based approach um, to manage the decisions really that the players are making on the ball. Tell us a little bit about that then in detail. Sorry, say that again. Tell us a little bit about that then. How do you blend that? What's, how does that work in uh, practice? Yeah. So again, what we try to do is give give our coaches some autonomy. Um, so. There's not necessarily a session that will look exactly the same because players get a bit bored um, and also the coaches get a little bit bored with, with delivering the same things over and over again. Um, so with our, with our ball mastery session, uh, the 4 till 5, there'll be different challenges. For example, maybe set up across the dorms. The boys are working in very, very small groups. Um, small groups with, with quite a lot of support really from the staff in terms of mastering a technique, whether it's a technique from, from the app, um, you know that that we that we work with you on, or whether it's you know one of the club based ones that that maybe we're asking the boys to to be competent at doing, um, and then sort of moving into to the main session. Um, like I said, we we try and blend a game based approach. So a game based approach um, on on a carousel. So you will have maybe a carousel that will have a four v four with a condition on the game. Um, you might have a a two v two. You might have a technical practice again, where you're just getting the repetition of, of the of the of the technique. Um, you might have a one v one session. So again, we just have a variety of different ways, really, that we we try and try and encourage loads of different decisions in quick little bursts, rather than doing the session for for half an hour, um, a team based session for for half an hour, because it's really important about the individual at this age. I think that's. I mean, for me, that's the important thing, isn't it? It's about having that balance. It's about having, you know. That game time, that game-based training, but also with that individual technical work, that individual time with the ball, that's so important. It's just about really thinking about what, how long to do it and when's most effective to do it. I mean, you look, as we know, we talked about the best academies in the world all doing this. Surely that's the way to go, isn't it? Just having an understanding about when and where to use it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the opposite as well is, is, is important. So I think a lot of people, a lot of clubs will know if you're coming to play a Wolves team, um, Wolves team are, are going to work hard. Um, but what we're talking about is, is, is obviously working clever and working working smart, so to speak. Um, and that, and a lot of that's without the ball. So what's our you know what are our reactions like when, when we don't have the ball? Um, how do we try and get it back? First of all, individually, especially in the nines and tens, about you know how do I dominate my one v one battles uh, with and without the ball? Um, leading into you know leading into the elevens and twelves where we start to maybe think a little bit more about about units and maybe how to work in pairs um, or or, group, or smaller groups um, to, to incorporate the decision. So if I'm playing with you in the team and you make that decision out of possession, how does that affect the decision now that I'm going to make? Whereas maybe at nines and tens, the focus is really purely around around the individual. Um, like I said, we're dripping in little bits uh, with, with our, you know, with our small side of games model. So first of all, you mentioned 1v1 there. Does that play a big part in the academy? Absolutely massive part. Um, it's one of the fundamental things really that we look at. Um, you know, how do you how do you create for yourself or create for others, and then how do you deny um, deny the opposition? So, how does that? What does that look like in practice then in delivery? In delivery, like I said, um, you know, the boys will get opportunity to do some some isolated bits. Uh, like I said, where they're developing that 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 <coughs> technique and understanding, and when it comes to actually trialing it. Um, 
we we have a heavy you know especially in the nines and tens um, and and elevens a heavy one v one focus so a lot of the sessions will be set up to to create one v one situations so I think often people think you know one v one is literally me attacking you and and trying to 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 get to to that goal that like could be could be like that at that purest form um, however we do have practices um, where it's set up to create one v ones across the pitch. Um, whether it's in a wide zone, whether it's you know wide going to central, um, it's it's a heavy focus around what what does it look like now when I'm faced up against somebody, um, it might be front facing, it might be with my back to goal, um, like a variety of different ways really. Okay, and then just to, just a little bit about individuals, individuals within the foundation phase. How do you challenge uh, an individual, someone who say for instance you know someone who's an under nine who's really you know doing really really well what what are the strategies you use to to challenge someone yeah so i think the the, the obvious thing really uh, with an academy football is you know we'll, we'll just put them up to challenge them which sometimes might be the case um if if they're surpassing really where uh the level you know the level of the level of the group and maybe they need that that next that next you know might be a social challenge it might be a site challenge sometimes uh, it might be a technical challenge it might be um might be a physical one uh, for, for example so that, that's the that's the obvious one and then the other one really is is we try to sometimes put them in in, in underloaded situations so if you've got a boy for example that that plays centrally um you might play him one versus two in a game um but also understand that you know he might not necessarily get success um so that that's just that's just one example um of the ways that we we try and challenge um on a, on a you know on a technical or tactical perspective um, and in the social psych, it might be um, setting different different um, challenges that mm. that they can actually quantify during the game, um, and they feel they have uh, more of a more of a direct focus um, to to actually achieve a specific um, outcome. It might be um, asking them to to take team talks. It might be um, asking them to to be the captain. Um, again, it depends on what area in particular you you, you are looking to, to to maybe challenge. Well, this leads nicely into my next area. I mean, obviously, from my experience, the, the challenge you had was that um, all parents see uh, playing up as the, you know, the golden ticket, if you like. You know, they've that's the that's that's what everyone's aimed at. And it's sometimes how do you how do you you know communicate to them that there's other ways to to get those challenges out of players. No, I think I think the first the first, I think the first way really is 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 making sure you've got a challenging group. Um, where you don't necessarily have, um, you know, a clear, a clear two that are, that are striving that far ahead of everybody else. Um, that, that makes all sort of dis um, discussions very difficult. Um, so that's the, that's the first way is we just try to make sure we recruit the best, um, the best players, uh, the best players locally, the best players, best players nationally to make sure we have those, those challenging groups where the boys actually feel like they're developing because they're playing around other other good players. Um, and I think the other way. Um, I'm trying not to lose my trailer for. Um, the other way is 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 that con that constant reflection, um, the constant challenging and decisions, um, just to just to sort of ensure that that they that they do understand that. So, so tell us a bit about any parents. I mean, what's what sort of um, strategies do you have? Uh, in place to to, to support parents when they come into the academy. Obviously, we know it can be it's a very you know challenging environment, logistically and mentally. You know, and how do you help support uh, parents on their journey? Yeah, so the first thing they do when when they come in is is they'll have an induction. Um, so you have a start of season induction, but also we're we're we're, we're developing a new joiners induction as well. So when they do come and join the program, um, just getting inducted really by the relevant person. Um, across the departments to make sure that they have uh, they, they understand really who to speak to for specific things and also understand what we're trying to do with their son um, and then the, the second one really is throughout the, throughout the season we have our education and welfare department um, delivering parental workshops um, to to the parents on positive parenting um, you know good behavior we have our uh, our psychologists also deliver some some workshops as well um, you know, sort of inclusive workshops really with the parents on on dealing with success and failure, um, 
also performing under pressure, just sort of linking on from our conversation we had before. Um, and that's really how we how we do it. It is something that we are looking at, um, again, consistently looking at trying to improve um, and make better um, because the game's becoming more and more challenging. It's becoming more and more competitive. Being a Premier League club, um, you know, we're talking about, um, you know, wanting to become one of the best academies in the country. Um, it's going to become tougher. So that, that, that sort of high demand really is going to seek some high support. And uh, so, okay, moving on to your coaches, um, how, what do you look for when you're, you're looking for a new coach and how do you go about getting one and recruiting them? Yeah, so we've, we've actually got an advert out now um, at the moment for, for some foundation phase coaches. Um, we're just looking for, for coaches to come and join join our team. Um, first thing we look at really is is, is personality. Um, is So what, what, what type of personality do you have um, around the building and around the players? Um, because like I said, part of us, Always, you know, trying to evolve is making sure we have the right people um, in the building, and that's easier said than, than done. Um, so I said we look for we look for personality, and we then look for for how do you develop, um, you know, relationships really with 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 people in the building. So people being with people being players, parents, um, and obviously other members of staff as well, um, and then when you actually get an opportunity to deliver, um, we're looking at. Again, how do you how do you get your your message across to the players? And it's always difficult to to assess whether you know somebody's very very good for, for looking at them for for an hour an hour's work of coach an hour's work of coaching. Um, but how do you get your your message across, your desired outcomes out to out to the players? And then does it fit really with what we're trying to do? And um, what about coach development? Then how do you develop your coaches? Keep them on the top of their game. First thing is what do they what what do they want to achieve? What do they want to achieve? Where do they want to go? Um, and when you've got that understanding, um, we 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 just try and set key areas really for them to to to, to focus on throughout the year. So what we try what we try not to do is set twenty five areas um, of 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 development, for example. Um, and just the same as it will be for players, you'll have a super strength, something that you want to consistently uh, stay doing. Um, and you'll have maybe one or two areas of development that you'll that you'll sort of seek support on um, throughout the year. So myself and Mark and, and also Scott Sellers will spend um, time really working working with the coaches on on, on their their PDPs um, and sort of their areas really that they that they want to focus on. Um, we'll we'll work with the analysis team as well to to, to get them mic'd up and get sessions recorded and then provide some some feedback. But again, it's two way. So what did you think? Um, and also what did what, what have we seen? Um, we'll do drop-in sessions as well. So sometimes they're not necessarily sort of planned in and expected. Um, where where we'll, we'll we'll go in and, and sort of work with work with the coaches. Um, again, just trying to for them to to achieve their desired outcomes in the session, but also their their focus is really on what they want to improve. Um, and then another big way really is is looking at what do we have internally or externally that might help you develop um, your communication, for example, or to help you develop your, your leadership. Um, so, you know, with your communication, do you go and work with maybe um, the, the media department um, for, for a day or for a week um, to, to help you develop that? Or do you need to go off-site for it? Um, we're quite good as well at Wolves with our, with our staff CPD. Um, so we call it the staff CPD because, again, we try and incorporate all the staff um, within it. Obviously, you will have some coach-specific stuff, um, but what we try to do is get together really each block, so each sort of every every six weeks, um, really as as a group of staff, um, and then sort of run a staff development staff development afternoon or staff development evening, um, with with guest guest speakers coming in from from different industries, um, coming in to sort of share their journey or share their area of expertise, and then we just try to pick off bits that are transferable to, to what we're doing and you know in the academy and what about yourself how do you develop yourself how do you keep fresh and keep on uh, progressing i've just recently um, enrolled on a on a course um, a master's in sports directorship um, up at manchester uni um and, and it's a really really good challenging course um, that speaks a lot around leadership um speaks a lot around communication um and and there's a lot of challenging people, um, challenging um, staff as well, um, who deliver on the course. So that's how I try to, to keep de keep developing. Um, also working with Scott and Gareth um, to make sure I'm getting, you know, 
the best bits sort of on and off the field to, to sort of keep shaping, you know, my personal philosophy and keep shaping, you know, the, the, the direction really of, of, of what we're trying to do, you know, in the foundation phase. Do you spend much time, you know, observing the older age groups and that's old other coaches in, within the academy? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think that 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 becomes that becomes a given, um, because it's very difficult to have access to to so many experienced and skilled people, um, and then never spend any time sort of working with them and observing observing them. Um, so again, you know, a year or two ago, I spent quite a lot a lot of time really working uh, working with Scott, um, having a look at how the under 23s um, sort of set up and work, which is the complete opposite end of, you know, of the spectrum in terms of the foundation phase. So you're looking at 10 years down the line, so to speak, um, and how those, you know, how that sort of environment um, is sort of set up. Um, and the biggest takeaway for me on that was um, it's all around people. It's all around people. It's around people skills um, and it's around working, you know, working with your team of staff to to get the best out of the, the players, really, and give them the best opportunity to, to progress to the first team. Yeah, I always enjoyed spending time watching the older boys train and play and in first teams. Well. So I always, I always thought as, a, you know, working the underage troops, that's, you know, that's the end of the journey. You know, how do we, you know, that's, that's the, they're the assets the players have got to have when they get to, towards the end of the <laughs> development cycle. And then, then the challenge is then how are you going to change your programme to implement that in your... Uh, Within the uh, within the younger age groups, no, absolutely, absolutely. So you know, again, um, another another takeaway really was, um, especially as they start to play eleven v eleven, they are starting to go through a bit more physical maturation. Is is how do you incorporate? Um, and this is one of the the challenges really. How do you incorporate um, the work to rest ratios, for example, your pitch sizes. Um, Depending on where they are in terms of loading in that in that particular week, um, so all those little bits of detail really of, of just looking at what what sort of works at the, at the top end was looking at what's transferable to you know to to a foundation phase player, um, and and yes, without neglecting you know your, your technical um, your technical and ball mastery outcomes, which which really is continually continuously worked on across the board. Um, I see first team players working on their their, their ball mastery and technique. Um, in the morning, unopposed, um, for example, because it's it's really important. Um, and just what level you play. And just give us a little rough idea. What's what's your work? What's your work week like? So, for instance, what your daily like? You know, Monday through to Sunday. What is, you know, what's what's your you know how what time do you get there? What time do you leave? <laughs> do, I mean, of... I, assuming that you have left, you do leave at some point. <laughs> well, I try to. I try to avoid my wife not to be very happy. Um, my, my my working week's quite quite intensive to be fair. Um, so I will come in um, on, a, on a Monday morning um, to, to make sure that my week's planned um, so I know you know what 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 sessions are obviously going on uh, what coach observations maybe need to take place um, and so obviously any any emails or communication because like I said um, second part of my role is operational as well uh, to make sure that, that that's all that's all aligned and in place um, we do have our 15 and 16s in on a on a on a Monday for for, for day release, um, and then we have our 11s and 12s in. Um, they come in on Monday evening, so I'll leave. I leave the training ground maybe about half past eight on a on a on a Monday. Um, on a Tuesday, um, it's our 13s, 14s day release, um, where again I'll come in and, and sort of support support the, the delivery of that. Um, what, what time? Do you, what time do you generally arrive then in the morning? About eight o'clock. Eight o'clock. Okay. Yeah. Uh, about eight o'clock. Um, so, for instance, then, so what time do you leave on a Tuesday? On a Tuesday, um, we have our nines and tens in on the evening, so I will leave um, about half past seven on a Tuesday. Okay. Wednesday? Wednesday is our 11s and 12s day release, so again, in eight o'clock, um, and I'll, I'll have an early finish on a Wednesday. Um, we're done by about half five. Okay, Thursday. Well, you see where I'm going with this, obviously, right? It's just obviously, yeah. it's your it's, uh, football industry is quite unique in terms of like the intensity or the expectations uh you know you're in there a lot you know it's very demanding my so my question would be how do you how do you keep yourself and your coaches fresh within that environment that's a challenge because it is you know it, it is uh i mean pr people who work from outside you know obviously everyone thinks it's very glamorous it's obviously some it's an amazing industry to work in but it is really demanding um how, you know, physically, you know, mentally, how, how do you keep yourself fresh when because you've got to deliver and your coaches are going to deliver within that intensity? Yeah, 
Yeah, so so again, um, you know, Mark, Dan and I, um, we'll, we'll, we'll again spend a little bit of time really at the beginning of the week, just making sure we plan plan the rest of the week um, to make sure that we're, we're, we're not in 24-7, even though um, you do sort of, you know, end up being around it. I think the first thing really we always try and remind ourselves is, is, is where we are, um, is where we are and, and, and also the responsibility that we have. Um, also, I think that naturally because... The people we we tend to, to to employ in our environment have a really good work ethic. Um, you you end up working um, sort of a lot harder than, than maybe um, you, you should do. Um, so the answer to that is how do we how do we keep ourselves fresh? Um, just different different challenges. So um, so for example, Mark will will do some work with the thirteens and fourteens as well. Um, Dan will do some work with the pre-academy as well. So to keep himself sort of fresh, really, in terms of what he's doing, he, he will he will sort of manage it that way. Um, if if the if the lads can have a you know nearly finish, then we'll try and give them that um, and sort of manage the session sometimes with, with part-time staff. Um, making sure that during unloading weeks we have you know an unloading week every seventh week. Um, we try to give you know some of the guys some some time back um, there with their families. Um, and then obviously during our, our complete off season and downtime, you know, where possible, really, we try and try and get away. Um, so you, so you do have you know a bit of a, a bit of a fresh break. Um, so I think when you sort of manage your, your own expectations and know what 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 again what what your end goal is, and that helps you sort of manage. You know, if you're scaling it backwards, manage what you're doing um, on a, on a daily and sort of weekly basis. Interesting. And then what's about yourself? What's your your ultimate ambition? Where would you like to go in the game? I mean, look, I'm doing um, I'm doing the, the sporting directors course now, um, and again, that that will develop you know me as a, as as a leader, um, and also help me understand um, some of the some of the stuff that's maybe happening um, off the pitch, um, and then also you know through through coaching qualifications and CPDs, making sure that um, I'm still still developing um, you know as a coach. Um, you know, as a new licensed coach or an eventually forward holder, um, keep keep developing in in that area. Um, but ultimate ambition, uh, in terms of you know short to medium, uh, would be to to become an academy manager. Wow, fantastic! And then, um, what about? Uh, I just got to ask you. Obviously, you, you've uh, you've been using the My Personal Football Coach app for for three three seasons, coming through four seasons. Just uh, tell us what sort of. Uh, you know, uh, influence that has had, effect that's had on the academy and the boys. I think it's just given um, a massive technical focus. It's given um, an opportunity for and and visual sort of clarity, really, for 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 the parents more so than than anyone, the players and the parents. So sometimes with with key skills in football football clubs, there isn't really the visual aid for for people to maybe work on it outside of their time here. I know they hear a lot, but ultimately you've got to do extras. Um, if you want to become a footballer and be an elite player really within the programme. Um, so I think that um, the app's really just given us some clarity, some clarity um, on, on, on the, the technical direction really in terms of what we're asking our, our players to, to actually do and also giving us um, you know, a source or, or, or a platform really to, to uh, hold, hold people um, Hold people to account, make it more accountable, really, on 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 specific on specific moves. Fantastic. And then, what would your just finally? What's your um, advice be to to aspiring coaches who who want to get to you know somewhere like you've got to in the in the pro game, the academy game? I think um, a few things really. I think commitments commitments a big thing. Um, so you've got to be willing to 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 do stuff for nothing. Um, so again, when I started, I'd done at least two seasons on on you know Warsaw Centre of Excellence um, under Newcastle for 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 nothing um, without you know without earning any any sort of financial uh, reward for it. Uh, but I was developing, I was developing as as as, as a person. Um, so that's the first thing I think. That the second thing is is going to be uh, understanding that you know there's an expectation um, you know from the Premier League for players to do ten thousand hours, um, but often I see coaches. You know, get a, a UEFA B or UFA and then and then that's it. You know, I'm in. I've, I've I know everything I need to to know. Um, so actually, my advice would be to to make sure that you spend um you spend time really just understanding yourself and understanding what 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 your end goal is, um, and and then making sure you know you match it really with with the type of environment that's going to challenge you. So you know, a lot of grassroots work um that I see going on is is excellent. 
um, and sometimes doesn't receive the, the positive the positive sort of you know feedback or spotlight that 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 it should it should because there's a lot of really really good things that's going on um out there in the fields um so like I said yeah they I think you got you got to serve serve time really as a coach um and then finally really is 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 make sure you spend time um trying to understand people um because people um people are people skills are are one of the most important skills I think to to have um working in professional football Fantastic. And what about a young uh, aspiring player who wants to uh, get all the way and play for England and play in the Premier League like Morden Gibbs White? I think having having the personal drive, um, having the personal drive, but also understanding that um, sometimes um, there are a number of different sort of opportunities out there. So finding the right type of club is is important um, is important for you. But then, like I said, having having the personal drive really to try and want to do more, to, to be better and, and to be the best, um, but also be committed to being the best um, and, and not necessarily feeling comfortable, really, really, really comfortable in a football club and then thinking that it's ne- the journey is never, never going to end. Um, always got to try and achieve, once you've achieved the next the next goal, the next target, um, try, and, try and get the next one after that, plan for the next one. Um, so again, just to summarise, and that really is, for me, it's, it's finding the, the right environment for you, um, the right programme for you, but also um, making sure that you, you keep challenging and trying to improve. And a little birdie tells me that you actually are still playing a little bit, a little bit of fire side uh, with some of the boys. Is that right? Are you still practicing your 1v1 skills in them games? <laughs> trying to. <laughs> <laughs> trying try, try to on a week trying to on a weekly basis on the Monday night we play um some of us we play um we play five five aside um in, in a in a competitive league and you know it's a good good opportunity really to to just try and um try and down tools as such really and, uh, and 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 just try and enjoy the game. Uh John, thanks very much for your time. It's been amazing. Uh really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thanks for tuning in to the MyPersonalFootballCoach.com Soccer Player Development Podcast. MyPersonalFootballCoach.com's Dynamic Ball Mastery Program is the world's leading online individual technical training program, proven and developed at the highest level in the English Premier League. Sign up now to train like the pros and take your game to the next level. Master the ball, master the game.